Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Oh, we're recording here now. Okay. I never did an intro or anything. Okay, but genuinely, what do you think that they're going to do? I, I, okay, I feel like smart money says trade back. Yeah. And then you get like a really good offensive tackle and a corner as your first, as two picks in the second round. I agree. Because there's a lot of guys that I think are really rich for the first round. And like, not going to lie, all a lot of the mocks, I'd say like 50-50 when I'm do, trying to do a mock where, with the draft network. Like I get to 29 and there's just like not anyone that I would take really. Right. And like, even, even a guy like Christian Barmore, like I love him, but it's the way I felt about Ross Blacklock where it's like 45 is perfect. 29 is like a little too rich for, for that kind of player. And there's so many guys who are going to go in the early, like Rondell Moore and you know what I mean? Like those guys and like probably Asante Samuel Jr. who would be more early too if he doesn't get picked at the end of the first round. And I just think that makes so much more sense. And Good always moves around. I don't yeah. I just can't see him trading up, but also they have the draft capital this year to trade up. I think they have like four, three fourth round picks and three fifth round picks and three sixth round, like so many. There's so much ammunition. I, I do like, I'm curious your thoughts on this and I guess we've just kind of started recording. So I can either do an intro later or this is welcome to the show. This welcome is what you get this week. Yeah. But uh, like if you could pick a dream scenario, who would be your trade-up target? And, like, how far do you think you'd have to trade up to get them? Okay, well, I don't think that Greg Newsom is going to make it to 29. No, he's and not. I know that everyone says, like, oh, you never know. But, like, I, it, it just he's trending in the wrong direction for that. So him, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he right now he looks like he's falling in, like, the early 20s, 22, 23, 24. And, like, that feels realistic to me for the Packers to move up to get him. There's – I mean, like, I – I think I, and I'm sure it's like common, like I'm sure you do the same thing, but I feel like I study the positions I think the Packers are going to target the most, but there's so many good corners in this class. Like the depth is unreal this year. And if the Packers don't walk away with like at least two guys, I'm probably going to be upset. Same. I want an early, well, what I want is Greg Newsom and Elijah Molden, but like, let's be realistic. (laughs) Um, Like I want an early one, like one of the top guys. And then there's guys like Robert Rochelle, who would be wonderful, like, I think he's probably falling to like round four, maybe right now, round three, round four. And he's great. It's like a more developmental guy too. Yeah. And he, to me is like very much a slot guy. Like, I think that that could be the Packers draft like boundary early. And then there's a ton of guys that are like really good slot players, the next level. Yeah. It's weird. I feel like I've never noticed that before in other drafts. I don't know if that's just like a thing or if the position is becoming like so much more coveted where, guys aren't because I feel like in college a lot of times it's like okay you're not going to start off at the boundary you're going to be a slot guy to start and they're going to move you outside but like right now I feel like there's so many guys who are like no we are that slot cornerback position because that's so important right now in the NFL yeah and I mean like I don't there's like a terrible pun here somewhere that I don't have the energy to find but (laughs) Elijah Molden feels like the kind of guy who's like one of the first players to like be the mold of a stereotypical nickel like (laughs) but like he you wouldn't draft him to be a boundary corner but he's so freaky athletic and talented that it's like okay he's going to be drafted high and you wouldn't normally think about drafting a nickel corner in the top 50 but he's going to go in the top 50 yeah 
He is. I he has been falling, I think, at 62 a good amount, like commonly, but I think that's about as low as it's gonna go for him. If he's freaking there at 62 and the Packers just let the draft keep on rolling, I'm gonna be so pissed. Girl, same. I just think he's so, so good. And like the Packers over the middle of the field has been that's been their weakness for so long. And to upgrade that would be huge. And it would also make, like, we're still developing Chris Barnes. We Packers are still developing Chris <laughs> Barnes and Kamal Martin. And so, like, to have a guy like that in the middle. And, again, he'll be a rookie, so you never know. But, like, I just think to have someone like that and you can just let Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage do what they need to do without having to cover the middle of the field that much or having that extra help there, would it would just make a world of a difference. And then your linebacker position is like maybe not as needy, you know, when you let Raven Green go, you know, there's just because Elijah Molden to me is like also a very like safety kind of player. Well, I'm like, I know that a lot of people don't want to hear this and it's something that I'm going to talk about with Kyle and Andrew um, when we do our mock draft on Friday for pack a day. But like you and I talked about this on Twitter, like we didn't realize how polarizing a guy like Eric Stokes is a corner out of Georgia. But if you think about it, like, this is when the Packers take some of those freak athletes. Like I'm, I'm, there's a joke here again about like, you know, Rashawn Gary needed time to develop and Packers got him at 12 and you know, you could get a guy like Eric Stokes at 29 and you're not rushed to develop him because you have Kevin King for another year and maybe he competes and wins the boundary job. But if you give a guy like that, that just needs a little bit of time to develop work with Jerry gray, yeah, he could become an elite prospect because you have like all of the raw tools. I like Stokes a lot. Like I remember watching Georgia tape and thinking that I was watching it for Tyson Campbell. And I just ended up watching Stokes because he just, to me felt like the better player, like obviously the better player. And like, I don't know how people feel about Tyson Campbell. And I, I think the comparison here is like Tyson Campbell is all those like raw athletic traits. It's kind of like the Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander thing. Like everyone thought that Josh Jackson had all these traits and could be like molded and developed into something. And like, you just never know if they're actually going to get there. And I think it only goes so far, but Stokes feels so much more complete. He feels more NFL ready. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that what the Packers have done honestly is they've kind of put themselves in positions to go after like a specific mold of player. And I feel like that's kind of the tendency that we're seeing from Brian Gutekunst like so far already. And I know that he can change that, but he wants like the raw athletes, especially at positions he already has depth. Like Rashawn Gary is a really good example of that. And he'll be gone before 29. I mean, I would assume, but there's a guy, an edge rusher that I love and I don't think he would fall to the Packers, but I like, I keep gravitating back towards him and it's Jason Owe from Penn state because the one thing he needs is a little bit of time to develop as a rotational player. And then he'll be like your every down edge rusher. And that just feels like yeah. such a goody pick because yeah. who better to develop behind than like Zadaria Smith. I feel like I could really see the Packers taking edge rusher early And I know that maybe fans wouldn't be too pumped about that, but there are two positions to me that I just feel like always spend your capital on is never a bad idea is edge and corner. Yep. Like you can just never have enough. And again, like they brought Preston Smith back, but like, I don't know if Preston Smith's going to be back next season. Right. Not. So like you need that third guy. So I would actually wouldn't be that mad if the Packers took an edge rusher early. I think it might surprise some people. Um, But I think it'd be kind of fun. And like, a stout front seven is always going to make your defense better. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, 
the Packers are notorious for doing this, right? Where they draft where they have needs now, but they also draft for the future. And that's, that's exactly why I thought of a guy like an, or an edge rusher is, you know, you might not have Preston Smith in 2022. And then if you only have Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Geary and somebody rolls an ankle, you have no depth at the position. So, okay. But I do really kind of want to see what Jonathan Garvin has. I don't know. The spider. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's him or Tipa. I think it's probably both of them. But like, I remember during training camp last season, how a bunch of beat writers who were there were talking about how good they looked or like how exciting they were. I shouldn't say how good they looked, but they, they felt exciting. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I want, I want to see how those guys develop. Jonathan Garvin excites me. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like there's different positions and you and I talked about it. Like, there's just certain spots that the Packers historically won't spend a premium. So every year, you know, when pro football focus or whoever mocks an inside linebacker to the Packers at, you know, wherever they're picking, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And as much as, you know, I banged the drum last year for Ross Blacklock, it felt so unrealistic because interior defensive line is just not a position of value for the Packers. And, you know, Kenny Clark, (laughs) except for Kenny Clark. Yeah. And I guess like BJ Raji, but outside of, players like that like it's very few and far between and I think you kind of have to look at the positions that are already on the roster so maybe this would be the year that inside linebacker surprises because there's not like a vet yet so maybe they're looking for more talent to kind of mix in there but there's just certain positions that they don't value that's also why like yeah I love Kadarius Tony like I watched Mm -hmm. Kadarius this past weekend and was like this man is actually like he was made for I, I swear I was watching and I was like so Matt LaFleur designed and built this guy in Madden like that that's literally what it looks like and even Tyler Tyler Herrick posted like they used a Kadarius Tony play in the playoffs against the Rams like that amazing touchdown by Devontae Adams or Jalen Ramsey threw a fit like that was taken straight from Kadarius Tony which is sweet so obviously Matt LaFleur is watching him but at the same time in my mind I'm like this player could be so perfect for the Packers but they will not spend a first round pick on a wide receiver like they just won't and again we could be surprised and if they took Kadarius Tony in the first round I think that would just make like everybody chill (laughs) everyone would just chill the Packers took a weapon for Rodgers. They used a premium pick on a wide receiver. They got him a weapon. Like, everybody calm down. But they're not going to do that. You know they're not going to do that. <laughs> well, and, like, I think that's that's what makes it so tricky, too, is, like, when you look at a position like wide receiver, theoretically, if Devontae Adams gets an extension, he's the only receiver under contract through 2022. Right. So, like, it would kind of make sense to take a wide receiver early because you think the more, like, the earlier prospects are more NFL-ready. So, as much as, you know, like I love some wide receivers that are late yeah. in the class. Um, but, you know, it just, are those guys going to have enough time to develop before their wide receiver two next year when the Packers don't have anyone else beyond Devontae? I guess they're going to have to learn this offense. I don't know. Or the Packers are planning on bringing back guys like Alan Lazard and MBS. Mm-hmm. I think that this is like, this is why I feel like the Packers should draft bad it depends on the board falls obviously but like there are just if you look at from 31 to 50 there are tons of guys that I love right like they trade back and they can get two really great players Rondell Moore is down here Diami Brown you know Amon Ra uh EQ's brother is probably gonna go early in the second round if they want to have you know the fam the whole fam in Green Bay like there's a lot a lot of guys back here that would feel more like 
it would feel more Packers to me to trade back into the second, pick a premium position, maybe take like a Santa Samuel Jr. and then take a wide receiver like that in the second round. And then they get something back for it. Remember what Goot did with Jair? He somehow turned that into that trade into getting Jair and Darnell Savage. Like, I don't know what mastery that is. And Goot's been getting ripped on a lot. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to praise him because <laughs> don't forget that. Our, the future of our secondary was taken with one little swappy swap for yeah. Jair Alexander. And then it turned into another pick for Darnell Savage. So Goot does stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like, he's notorious for kind of moving around the board. And I think that that's kind of what makes it so hard to predict what he's going to do. Because when it was Ted Thompson, especially towards the tail end, it was like, don't even bother staying up. Don't, like, if, you know, I have to record actually pack a day after the first round ends because I have the Friday show. And I guarantee you I'm going to stay up until pick 32 and the Packers are going to trade back. And it's going to be like, okay, dope. I'm glad it's like 1 a.m. and I have to do I'm this now. just picturing all of us sitting on the Cheesehead TV watch. <laughs> slowly like trying to pace ourselves with our beers and then the Packers just trade back and we're all just sitting there like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. This is what's happening. To be fair though, like think about the reactions that everybody had to seeing Jordan love drafted. I don't know that you could get that same shock value again. Like the, the fact that that was the pick and even though it wasn't necessarily surprising, it was like, we're witnessing a moment in history kind of like, I don't think there's a player necessarily in this year's class, unless it's like Trevor Lawrence falls to 29. That could be like this impactful that we're like, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that there's anything that's going to be that polarizing because the quarterback situation, it's just like a rinse and repeat with Favre Rogers. Like that's just what it felt like. And I think it was like triggering for people. Yes. Um, I, I was excited. I don't know. I'm still really, I still really like, Jordan Love as a prospect. I don't know. I think it's kind of exciting to have a potential, you know, franchise quarterback on the roster developing behind Aaron freaking Rodgers. I don't know. I just have dreams about like Kyle Pitts falling, which like would never happen. But <laughs> can you imagine Kyle Pitts? Like we we talk about the positions that we've studied quite a bit and you know we did this pre-show but it's like god you look at all the tight ends the Packers have already met with three in yeah. virtual meetings and they have five on their roster who are very talented like Matt wa- loves his tight ends he does but can you imagine the Packers rolling into the 2021 season with like six tight ends and four wide receivers like it kind of feels plausible it does feel <laughs> Like, how many times do we make fun of the Bears for having 11 tight ends on the roster and then, like, the Packers do that? But the Bears don't do anything with their tight ends. That's fair. I mean, Matt LaFleur actually uses his tight ends. And they're mismatched. I mean, Kyle Pitts is just, like, an, a freak athlete mismatch. Like, I, yeah. I mean, he's not like, a traditional. And I think that if – I'm not really off chance that it happened. I don't think there'd be a single Packers fan that would be upset about the Packers taking Kyle Pitts. But it's just funny to think about, like, you're talking about positions of need, and that's not one of them. So I was, oh, well, I was going to say, let's let's talk about that then. Like, if you if you were a betting person, what would be, I mean, you, you can even do top three, like, and not necessarily what you would pick, but, like, what positions do you think they're prioritizing, given kind of their tendencies? Corner. I, I hope. I mean, Corner, tackle, and I hate to say it, but, like, edge. Like those are only three I could see them taking in the first round. That would, if I had to bet, those would be my same. And here, okay, caveat. If somebody like Creed Humphrey, who's like a true center, first round grade falls, do you think set, like, would you lump offensive linemen? Yeah, yeah, offensive linemen. Because at the end of the day, right, like, the I think 
we kind of know the players, but we just don't know where the players are going to fall on the line, right? Like we have yeah. the interior is like kind of a question and like when is David Bakhtiari going to come back? And I guess Billy Turner is going to take over. Like the whole thing is a question mark. So I'd yeah. like to see the Packers take both in a tackle and an interior lineman. So wherever they take them is wherever they take them. My thing though, is that like the Packers love to take linemen late. Yeah. That's also part of me is like, maybe they're just going to wait. There's someone that they love late, but I don't know. It also depends on the three guys they took last year. Like I'm in the camp of like John Runyon Jr. Starting this year. I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you look at the depth chart and think that's not the case, but again, he's like right guard or left guard. You know, he's a guard. So Elton, I don't know, Elton Jenkins or Lucas Patrick at center. And then, you know, flip flop that the the, the three of them basically is the interior. And then the tackles are hopefully Bakhtiari is healthy and Billy Turner. And so like, you need some help somewhere. Well, and that's what makes it so interesting because like I, I spend a lot of time looking at like, and I think some of this, right? Like we just haven't seen enough of Goot and his draft preferences to kind of know. And I know he was a product of Ted Thompson, but like Ted Thompson found a ton of like really obviously rich, all pro talent in the middle rounds of the draft. We've only really seen, I mean, Brian went and got Elton Jenkins. He got the guy he wanted in the second round. That was a a hefty investment. Took three in the sixth round last year, but obviously, you know, John Runyon played a little bit of spot duty and the other two didn't make the roster right away. So, you know, so there's, which doesn't mean mean anything. Right. And I mean, I guess Cole Madison didn't really make the roster either. And he had some struggles when he was with the team, but you know, I, I think that maybe Brian's a little different from Ted Thompson and that if there's a guy, like if, I don't know, one of the top tackles is sliding the 29, I could definitely see him picking him where I think Ted Thompson just kind of Waited. let those guys wait. Yeah. I it's, it's interesting you say that. Cause I feel like Brian has shown us some of his draft tendencies and like, of course he could surprise us. It's only been a couple of years, but he, he's Ted like, yeah. But oh yeah. Ted, you know, like there, there he's like his own little, I don't know. I mean, there's no better scout than Ted, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody scouted like Ted. And so he has a little bit of that in him because he has taken some really great talent. But Goot likes to move. He he's does move. He's like, right. He's making calls. He's trading around. He, he, I feel like, and this is totally me inferring. I've never spoken to Brian Kunkins. I don't know what's inside <laughs> of his head. But like, to me, I think he really, really thinks about value. He yeah. really, really is like, this is my board and I trust my scouts and these are my grades. And if there's nobody here, I'm not staying put and I'm going to make a move, whether it's up or down. Um, they care a lot about value, which I appreciate. I, I really hate watching, like, uh, this is always the example I come back to for some reason. And I don't mean any offense to Colin Farrell, but like when the Raiders took him that early, I was like, why? I was Did you- stunned. Stunned. And it's just like, um, okay, now all the other players I want on my team are going to keep falling. So like, cool. But I just like, that's not, that's a move that, you know, Brian Goodkins would never make. Well, and that's why, like, you know, we've kind of seen both sides of it where he he felt like Jordan Love was the only player left last year that had a first round grade. So he traded up to get the player with a first round grade. He also is, people don't accept that explanation. And I'm like, that that's a very valid explanation to me. It's yeah. And I mean, like, there's there's players that he's drafted when like Rashawn Gary to me was a rich pick. And he made that decision because he saw the ceiling that Rashawn Gary could have. Like the investment of an edge rusher when you just spent millions and millions of dollars in free agency to bring in two of the best, 
obviously like that was not necessarily a position of need. It was more of a want to develop that player. Now it is a position of need, but it's right. Exactly. Because we have Rashawn Gary. Because Brian is always like, he's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers and he's playing chess. This is what I mean. Like he's shown us his tendencies where this is another thing that we've talked about all of free agency. And I think this year is kind of an oddball because the Packers really haven't done that much, but like he does do like get a player in free agency. Don't make it a position of need, make it a position of choice. Yeah. Like we can choose if we want this now um, and let them just let their board fall and get the value where they see it. And I, I like that. I like that he does that. It's just that this year, I guess they just didn't bring anybody in anybody new, but the business, the positions of need haven't changed. Like it's still corner defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver. Yeah. And I mean, we always like, I mean, this is like the Packer way and it gets knocked because it's not necessarily looked at as going all in, but like, the Packers have never really put themselves in a situation to have positions of need. And that's what makes them a good team. Like the, the worst time to draft a quarterback is when you need one and you trade up to the third, fourth overall pick to draft Mac Jones. That's not good. I don't don't want want to do that. I don't, I want the 49ers to like shock the world and like take like Jamar chase. Like, I just like, I, I don't want them to take a quarterback because it's all everyone's talking about. And like, I also don't want them to be good because they're a conference rival. Um, but I just feel like, but if they do, I think Justin Fields would be fun. Yeah. If he's there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there. I, I like, could I, you imagine if they, the, all the quarterbacks go in like the top five, this is another thing. Sorry. I'm really going on a tangent here. I was talking to my dad about this because my dad really likes Mac Jones and I'm not as high on him as I think some other, I'm just like, eh, he looks like a blob to me. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, like the track record of top 10, I shouldn't say top 10, top five quarterbacks is not great. And like, I think Trevor Lawrence will probably break that mold and Baker seems to be at the moment. But if you look at it, like Mahomes was picked 10 and Josh Allen was what? Seven. And Lamar Jackson was 32, you know, in that draft class, like RG three was the first, you know, like the, the track record of top five is not good. And like, I just don't want that fate for some of these guys. Cause I really like the quarterbacks in this class and I think they can be really successful. I guess it also just depends on where you, what team you land on because realistically, right. If you're going in the top five, you're going to a team that's not very good. And so the chances of you ending up having a successful career is probably not good unless you like Trevor Lawrence and you people think he's going to be a future hall of fame quarterback. I don't know. No. And I like, I feel like this is like its own tangent, but like I, I think of a lot of players and it, it really genuinely is your fate is pretty much tied to where you land. Like if you are maybe like a Juco player that didn't necessarily have good grades and then you went to a division one school and you get drafted. Talking about Zedarius Smith. No, but I can be <laughs> like, but like you, like you need to go to a, a team that has a developed coaching staff. So if you're a player, even like Eric Stokes to go back to him, that people think maybe has raw talent, but you need to work on your technique. You want to go to a team like the Packers that has Jerry Gray or like a really good position coach. If you're, and I love Robert Sala. I think the Jets are going to have a really nice turnaround. And I think that they're going to be a really good team in a couple of years. But if you're going to a team that's you know, I don't know, like the Bengals or a team that just has a lot that's kind of up in the air and maybe some really young coaches or maybe no vets in the room. Like if the Packers drafted a developmental prospect at edge, 
Zadarius and Preston would show him the ropes. Right. The same way that young corners could come into Green Bay and have like Charles Woodson as a mentor. Like you, when you're a young player, you need those guys in the locker room. And if you get drafted to a team that doesn't have that, that's just really unfortunate for some of these players that have the talent, but not necessarily like the environment to, to thrive in. No, it's so true. It's so much about where you land. And that's why I feel like it's really hard to even judge a lot of these guys because it is so dependent. Like I was reading, a, I was looking at um, a bunch of offensive linemen, which is not really my area of expertise, but it is so important. And like, as I study this game even more, I'm like, the trenches are where it's at. Like that's mm-hmm. where you have to invest. And so I was reading about some of them and I was thinking like a bunch of the guys that I like are listed as developmental and I'm like, okay, come to the Packers. Adam Stemovich turn you into an all pro, you know? And and that's like, that is such a nice thing to have too, to have like such confidence in your position coaches to say like, you know, the Packers can maybe take a developmental prospect and it maybe not, won't even take that long. It could just be like a half a season, Um, but they have the freedom to do that because they've invested in their coaches. Well, and like, I think there's part of it too, where this again goes back to drafting for, you know, I guess development instead of need is like, yes, I guess tackles kind of a need now because David Bakhtari might not be able to start the season, but like you have Billy Turner for one or two more seasons. You can have him for the full two seasons if you need him, but you have a right tackle where if you draft a guy like, I don't know, Brendan James out of Nebraska, who was, yeah, I like him, who who fits the Packers mold. He played left tackle all through college, and now he looks more like a right tackle or a potentially interior player. You need guys that are position versatile, and what better guy to learn from if you're Brendan James than to come play under Billy Turner, who is now a Swiss Army knife for the Packers offensive line. Like, I just think that some of those fits are so important, and the Packers always historically put themselves in really good positions to get players that they can develop into the players that they want them to be, not that they need them to be. But this is why they do what they do with the free agency and draft situation, where they take both in the same year. And Mm -hmm. I guess technically, I guess they just restructured Billy Turner. They didn't, like, re-sign him, but... They kept him around. He could have been a cut, a cap casualty. I yeah. think this is going to be a really interesting draft. I'm like, because I think also the 2020 draft, unfortunately you have to like maybe separate them out in your minds, but I think the 2020 draft has set up fans with like a pretty sour mindset going into yep. this draft. Absolutely. And, and that's fair. Like I get it. Like last year's draft was wacky. It was mm-hmm. just wonky and that's fine if you still have issues with it. I'm super hype about AJ Dillon. I know you are too. Um and I get it, but like and a part of me too is like wonder what they're going to do. Like are they going to do what they did last year and just shock the world and make everybody everything burn down or are they going to go a little bit more of like what we expected with like the 2019 draft, right? Where they went, you know, and took edge, safety, tackle, tight end, like positions where I remember the 2019 draft being like, all right, yeah, solid, mm-hmm. cool, like it, nice. You know, I was definitely more excited about Savage than I was about Rashawn Gary um, because of what we talked about earlier, how he was like more developmental. But look how it turned out. Um, and obviously, I mean, Goot, Goot will forever have a place in my heart because he chose my draft crush um, in, in 2018. So I don't know. I'm excited. I just, I really hope they take corner early. I, I just think like this is, I'm worried that this is going to be another wide receiver situation where like last season we're like, there's no way they can't. This trap is this class is so deep. There's so many options. They're going to have to take a wide receiver eventually. And then they don't. 
And I'm like really worried that they're going to do that again with corner. We're like, this class is so deep. There's so many to choose from at all different levels. And then they don't take a corner and we're left with Kevin King. Like, I don't know. Well, I think they covet, they covet corner more than they covet wide receiver. Yeah. It's different, but like, Ooh, I'm nervous. Well, I'm like, that's why. And I, I, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but like, that's why it's really hard to invest as much time and study into the draft as we do because yeah. you always fall in love with players and like you feel like they're just like the perfect fit for your team. And it's really hard to see them go elsewhere. And that's part of why I was so hyped when AJ Dillon came to the Packers, because he was one of those players that I devoted a lot of study to. I was really high on, and I thought he brought something different to the team. He's the only player that I've ever hit on. Like since I've started really studying the draft that I was like, Hey, I really like this fit. So every year, this year included, I have my list of guys that I would just, you know, go nuts by their Jersey day one. If they got drafted by the Packers, and it's always so hard because most of the players that I like end up going to the Lions and just fuck that. Like, <laughs> or the why? Vikings when they took Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Yeah, oh, it's like, why? Sad. Yeah, I mean, look, my draft crush for a couple months, I have two. You're, everyone knows who they are already. I try not to talk about it too early because I, like, got to study everyone. But I feel like I've looked at the draft enough and my two – my I'm, a, I'm very gut – like, I, I, I follow my gut, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, my gut just says – Greg Newsom and Elijah Molden. And I know that the Packers are going to take either of them. And I think it's mostly because Greg Newsom's just not going to make it to 29. I think that if he was there or if he was close, they really would. He just screams Packers to me. And in his interview, he talked about how he studies Jair Alexander, <laughs> which is really cool because you think of Jair as a rookie still, but he's not, you know? And you're like, damn, like there are, there are prospects out there who are studying our guy. Like that's cool. Um, but he is great and he follows me on Twitter. So I love Greg Newsom. He follows you on Twitter. He follows me. I followed him and he followed me back. Love that for you. Get him on the show. What are you doing? I know I really should actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, can, cool. I can get us a defensive lineman. So you do that. I'll get. Okay. Maybe he unfollowed me. No, he follows me still. Let's go. <laughs> But no, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, we want you in Green Bay. Greg Newsom, if you listen to Pax, what she said, come on the show and then tell Brian what's up. Yeah, true. Well, he had an interview with them, which is Mm -hmm. fun. But just like, I just thought it was super cool to hear, like, yeah, I study. Because you hear a lot, like, yeah, a wide receiver study Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams has now like solidified himself, right? But he's been in the league for what? Eight seven years. years seven years yeah. so weird i remember when he was drafted um <laughs> also this is another side note but doesn't it freak you out now that like all of the players are like there are players now going to draft who were born in the year 2000 yeah i hate it i like I hate I, it. <laughs> well because i i told this story at like on twitter and it's i guess it's not really a story but one of the defensive lineman prospects went to my high school and yeah. i put on twitter like i was like Davion Nixon, if he goes to the Packers, I'm getting his jersey. And I feel like I can tell the story. I don't think it like breaks any boundaries or anything. But when I went to my high school, it was a specialty high school. There were four categories that you could enroll in. It wasn't like a comprehensive high school. So you could be in communication, biotechnology, business, or the Kenosha Military Academy. Well, after I graduated, it became a comprehensive high school or a specialty school. So you could go to either. I graduated in 2011 from high school. 
Davion Nixon went to Indian Trail Academy when it is not called Indian Trail Academy anymore. It's called Indian Trail High School and Academy. And he graduated in 2017. And my school didn't have a football team when I went there. Oh, my gosh. So the fact that now we have a prospect from my high school who played for a football team that didn't exist 10 years ago when I graduated from high school is wild to me. And he graduated in 2017. And our uh, one of the teachers that we had together commented on my tweet on Twitter. And she said, imagine how old I feel since I had you and Davion six years apart. So, so wild. That's really cool that someone in the draft went to your high school. If that ever happened, I think like how would freeze over from my high school (laughs) in sports, but like, that is really cool. We, I mean like, and my husband can attest to this. Like we did not have a gym. So when we went to high school, it was like your gym class was dodgeball. We had Dance Dance Revolution. Um, We would have like cross-country skiing. Like we had to do activities, bowling. We would go to the bowling alley because we did not have a gym. So the fact that there's a kid in this draft class is probably going to go in like the second round that played football for my school that didn't have a football team kind of blows my mind a little bit. That is. That would be super sweet if he came to the Packers because then they would also be his hometown team. I love when that happens. That's like Quinn. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Mar- Marinez, the, the, mm-hmm. and then my water. Yeah. Like that would be sweet. Except I saw a mock the other day that had the bears taking him. And I was like, I wonder what those players feel like when that happens. Well, Davion Nixon's dad is a bears fan. No, so funny. I don't think that he would be super psyched, but you know, I like it. He's, he's one of my favorite players in the draft. And that was before I found out he went to my high school. So. Just makes Ooh, it sweeter. Makes Ooh, it sweeter. Okay. <laughs> so we've been chatting about the draft for 30 minutes, longer than that, but we didn't press record right away. Um, any like other wrap-up thoughts, or should we just preview what the next month is gonna look like? Yeah, no, let's preview the next month, but then I also realized that our live show is Tuesday. Literally, this <laughs> next Tuesday is our live show. So April 6th. Check us out on the Cheesehead TV socials. We'll be going live. You can come hang out and chat with us. It's primarily going to be question-driven. So talk about the draft, talk about your favorite prospects, talk about the Packers, talk about beer that you like to drink, and we will be there to answer all of your questions. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, And then next week's episode is going to feature Bailey Burmaster. Um, I should probably... Sorry, Bailey. I should probably like actually have your resume up here. Okay. <laughs> Bailey, <laughs> Bailey Burmaster for WBAY. She's a sports reporter um, up in Green Bay. She's awesome. So if you don't follow her on Twitter, you really should because she's great. Um, I find her to be very witty and funny. Um, we met Bailey for the first time last year during the draft. She's had TV draft party, yeah. which feels like a million years ago, but finally getting her on the show. And we're really pumped about that. Going to get our thoughts on the draft and preview that. Um, and then we'll do offensive, uh, players that we like. Then we'll do defensive players that we like. And then we're going to do our mock draft, which we did last year also, which is fun and that'll come out early the week of the draft and then we're gonna have some fun guests on after the draft because what we really want to talk about is who the Packers actually take because we can like talk until we're blue in the face about people that we like but what really matters is post-draft who are the new guys in green and gold how are they going to contribute so we'll have some fun guests to do that 
Yeah, I feel like May, we honestly could bring in a guest every single week, and maybe we should do that. Just have a whole lineup of people that are ready to come talk about the draft. That would be fun. We only do it. do right now, so we just need Mob Prelude. One more? Two more? And then, and then the end of May, we'll be doing our episode together. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. But we will be together for Memorial Day weekend, so. Yeah. Cool. You'll get okay. a show Who's from that talking? 70s show basement. Yeah, we'll show them. all right well thank you as always for listening to the show this is the first time we haven't done an intro it feels really weird um but i guess back to another episode of tax when she said podcast there you go go to bed just go to bed perry (laughs) all right thank you as always for listening go pack go go pack go